I have a word in my heart to encourage us. And the, the title of this message is called Redemptive Rhythm. I want you to say it with me, Redemptive Rhythm. And uh, after preaching this in the first service, you know, Sarah reminded me, Chanda, you really need to smile a lot more. <laughs> Sometimes my mind is so immersed in this that I, get, I don't care what you think of me in that moment. I just, it's just like, I just have to let it flow out of me. Thank you, Lord. Part of our, our flow at home before, if I'm speaking on a Sunday, is for at least a day or two, you know, Sarah is gracious. She takes on the full load of house and home and everything that happens so I can have some, some time to, and I just immerse myself in thought, thought, and Somebody was asking me this morning, you know, did you, how was your sleep? And then Marcy said, did you sleep? I'm like, no, I was continually in it. So uh, you can smile extra at me if I forget to smile to, at you. Redemptive rhythm. All that we see from the beginning of creation, from the beginning of time till now, everything that we see around us, am I doing a good job smiling? Around us. <laughs> Everything that we see around us has the imprint and the signature of God. The redemptive plan of God is revealed in the form of rhythm. It's continual and it cannot be stopped. Everything that he has set into motion has a format that it continually reveals itself, continually speaks of the master plan of God that cannot be thwarted, it cannot be canceled. You can try to cancel things, but you cannot cancel the culture of the kingdom of God. All you need to hear is that question in Job, where were you when I sent lightnings from heaven? So this idea of the redemptive plan of God is active in nature, but it is also equally active. When we begin to see it in nature, it's equally active in our lives. So that no moment in our lives, not a single moment should be lost in confusion because we can't feel God in this moment. Or I can't, God, I don't know where you are. I'm gonna invite you this morning to plug your heart into that movement of God, the rhythm of God where his redemptive plan never fails and never stops until it is fulfilled in our lives. Thank you, Lord. And I wrote, I did some research, got some, I love language and I love articulating things that I'm feeling, you know, sometimes it takes a long time to figure out what exactly is that stirring in my heart. And the word rhythm Here's a definition, I added some, some of my own language. Rhythm is an effect of ordered movement experienced in all visible life space. It's seen in works of art, in literature, in drama, in speech, in motion, etc., And it's attained through patterns in timing, spacing, repetition, and accenting of the elements. As a musician, I'm a drummer. When I sit at a table, if you're dr drummers in the house, raise your hand. You see why we get this reputation? When drummers sit at a table, you know what they do? We, there's, 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 it's in us. It's, a, it's part of our 
inner working, it just has to have something to make, make sound. As a drummer, we know, different from like a, a synth pad that just fills the space, we have the opportunity to leave space in between some of those sounds. We have the not to play the whole thing in every single beat, you know, and pattern, but we have the opportunity to let that, let that space be for a moment. Sometimes our lives are like that where we don't see what God is doing. We don't feel or hear what God is doing. He's just taking a breath so he can come at us one more time. There are moments when Jesus was announced to be born, there was 400 years where there was no prophetic word. There was no hope spoken. There were no prophets speaking of the coming Messiah. And in that moment of taking a breath, he brings a full revelation of many prophecies that were spoken of Jesus centuries ago. So this morning, as we're considering the idea of redemptive rhythms of God, I want to invite you to plug your whole lives, your hearts, your thoughts, your emotions, your, your dreams for your future into a continual movement of God that will not fail until it fulfills what he intends it to. He who began a good work in you will be faithful to complete it until the day of Christ. And that's just the beginning. Thank you, Lord. And we are in such a prophetic season in the year. You know, God created rhythms. As soon as he starts speaking, let there be light. The first thing he created in the space of darkness and nothingness, he separated day and night and he gave us the gift of time. He gave us the idea to understand that there's time for some things, time for another thing. He gave us day and night. And in that rhythm, he began to create. He didn't do 10 different things on the first day. The first day was for a certain creation. The second day, it was another rhythm for something new. Third day, it was another rhythm for something new. Already creation began to reveal the redemptive rhythm of God. And he is not afraid to rest. In between. Thank you, Lord. And we are in such a season, Patty was sharing, in between Passover, and we celebrated Easter, and the next celebration is Pentecost. And in Leviticus 23, God actually commands Israel to count the way to get to Pentecost is from the second day of Passover. It says, you are to count, put that verse up, Leviticus 23, 16. Count 50 days to the day after the seventh Sabbath. Then you shall offer a new grain offering to the Lord. This is how in that, in that, in that text from Passover and for us, Passover and resurrection, we are counting 50 days and that's when Pentecost comes. So Jesus, after resurrection, walked with his disciples for 40 days. And then on the 40th day, he ascended. How many days were left? 10 days is, the, is, the, is how long they waited in the upper room. In Jewish culture, even today, they, during these 50 days, they pray every single night and say a simple prayer. That's a prayer for Shabbat. And there's a prayer for the, the blessing over each day of Counting to 50 days. Because when you count, you grow in anticipation. You grow in expectation. Something is about to come. We have children, every now and then they'll play hide and seek. 
you know, I'm minding my own business doing something and they're, you know, one of them, okay, I'm, I'm counting one, two, three, seven, eight. And then my heart's like starting to beat faster, you know, and ready or not, I'm like, oh, <laughs> You feel like, oh, I need to do something. That's what counting does. It raises our anticipation and expectation for something to happen. That's when, when, a, when a rocket is launched, what do you do? These are scientists. I mean, the gr- most brilliant minds all in a room. 10, 9, 8. I mean, they could just press the darn button. You know what I mean? The rocket will go into outer space. But what do they do? It's an anticipation because they prepared so much for this moment. They don't want it to be just casual. It's a moment to prepare again in that moment. Even if it's 10 seconds, it's important to get your heart to that place. Wow, where something amazing is going to happen. This is why in Acts chapter 2, when Pentecost happened, it says, Acts chapter 2, verse 1, when the day of Pentecost had fully come. So Pentecost just didn't happen. It's always a rhythmic counting for 50 days, for seven weeks, and the next day is Pentecost. The word Pentecost, pende is the Greek word for the number five. And Pentecost means fifth, the 50th day. They've been counting, growing in anticipation. And these are the days we're in right now. This is the third week of the counting of the Omer. It's called the counting of the Omer. Omer is an offering of the first fruit offering. Man, we could stay on this for all. It's called the counting of the first fruit offering. For 50 days. And on the 50th day on Pentecost, you bring another offering to the Lord. Come on. I don't have hair, but it just stood somewhere around me. That's a sign that was important for us to take, for me to take note. When the day of Pentecost has fully come, everything in our life has that kind of a rhythm of counting and expectation, seeing the rhythm of God all around us. Music has rhythm. Science has rhythm. Audio and light waves have rhythm. Dancers have rhythm. I'm seeing, watching Johanna in the back. She's rocking her baby, but there's a rhythm to it. Right, Johanna? She's a, she's a phenomenal dancer. It's music, it's that you hear the sound, you move by it, you, there's rhythm in everything, audio and light waves, waves of the sea. It's behind me. There's a rhythm to it, continually displaying the glory of God. The ecosystem that's around us and the sub-ecosystems, all of them have a cycle and a rhythm of life within, within which it works. Day and night have rhythms, our seasons have rhythms. The entire solar system hangs because it is created with a rhythm to flow one with another. Our, the planet Earth right now is hanging in nothingness. Every time I think about it, I feel like I, I can't tell you what I feel like. It's hanging on nothing because the word of God spoken and it's in rhythm and in flow with that word, the creative word that continues to give it motion and movement. I once flew a single propeller aircraft with our dear friend, Larry Forster. We're flying around Lancaster. I've never flown a single plane like that, never sat in, you know, in the cockpit like that before. And we were up like 45 minutes and they say, hey, Chandi, do you want to fly it? I'm like, sure. You never want to say no to moments like that. You may cr- I may crash this plane, but, you know, maybe I'll have a story to tell. And here it is. So I, I grabbed the steering wheel, 
I found out it's not a steering wheel in the first service. I, I grab, it's called a, it's called a yoke. Any, any pilots here? Anybody who fly? Nobody? Well, let me, let me educate you. That is not a steering wheel. It's called a yoke. And boy, was that yoke heavy that day when I was flying. I'm brown skinned, you know? And for the first time in my life, I looked down and my knuckles were white. I was grabbing a hold of that and my hands were like this the whole, the whole time. And he was laughing. I'm like, You're make, don't make fun of me. And like, he let me do it for a little bit. And then he like elbowed me and said, Chandi, you can let go of it and it'll still fly. I felt if I let go, the plane would just plummet to the ground. <laughs> I felt I was holding it up in midair. And I did relax. I'm like, oh, this is much, much easier. Then I was like doing little spins and, you know. Solar system, it's hanging in nothing right now because of that rhythm. Our own body, we have circadian rhythms in our own body that tell us when it's time to sleep, when it's time to rest, when we feel fatigued, when, it's, when we have a lot of energy. Even our social interactions are often controlled by our inner circadian rhythms that dictate. It's a rhythm, it's a pattern that our entire being works in that, with that format, with the science behind it. We had, um, in the first service, we had a baby dedication, you know, the very first sign of life when a, when a, when a, when a father and mother, they know they have, they have a baby, they go to the doctor and they do the, the ultrasound. The image is like, I don't even know what, is, what that is, but what's the first thing, first sign of life that gives you excitement? It's this, I don't, that's what a heartbeat sounds like. That's pretty, that's pretty good, that's close. The very first sign of life itself is a rhythmic representation that this baby is alive in the womb. The very first announcement of life is the rhythmic sound of the baby's heartbeat. Come on. And our, our, man, our, the babies that were dedicated this morning, one of them was called, is named Ava. And she was born on the 40th anniversary of Roe v. Wade and Ava means overturn. That's the kind of people we have in this church who know the rhythms of God, that this baby has a destiny and a purpose and is in rhythm with the, the redemptive plan of God that cannot be snuffed out, no matter what kind of evil desires men create. It's all around us and we can't deny it. Here's what it says in Romans 1. For since the creation of the world, Romans 1, 20 and 21, his invisible attributes are clearly seen being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead. So they are without excuse. All around us, we see the visible manifestation of the plan, the master redemptive plan of God that all mankind is without excuse on that final day. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. So any kind of culture that tries to cancel kingdom culture is really something that God has allowed that to happen because they haven't recognized the glory of the redemptive plan of God in nature around us. If you can't look at that, the, the, the water continually flowing, to the seashore 
and be in awe of a magnificent God. Go to the doctor. Please go to the doctor. The doctor will help you. And there's this, there's this redemptive rhythm, but sometimes, if you understand music, there's a syncopated rhythm as well. And a syncopated rhythm does not follow the rules and the guidelines. It doesn't do what you think it should do. Here's a definition of a syncopated rhythm. It's still rhythm nonetheless. Simply put, syncopation is a disturbance or interruption of the regular flow of rhythm. A placement of rhythmic stress or accents where they would not normally occur. Do you know how much this energizes my little prophetic heart? That's what the, the prophetic moments, that's what it does. You see what's happening and you're looking for God. What are you doing in the midst of this? What are you speaking while we're here? What are you speaking in this moment? And don't be without courage to follow it just because it doesn't follow the natural rhythm and the pattern that's available and seen, trust the syncopated movements of God because in it is hidden redemptive plans. And the beauty of syncopation is that syncopation cannot happen without the format that is structured. It has to bring stress into something that's ordered. And it's beautiful. It works together. Just yesterday, in order to get my whole being into this, I was listening to this. He's a, he's a, he's a phenomenal Drummer, he plays, he's from India. His name is Master, he's a maestro. His name is Zakir Hussain. There's no, this isn't well known about him, it's in, in, especially in our culture. There's no musician in mo, who's living musician today that flows mind, heart, ear, in, and hands that play the instrument as one in unison like he does. Zakir Hussain, you can look it up. We were trying to play today. Maybe another day we'll show it. There's rhythms and there's syncopation. All of it work together to reveal something phenomenal. So I wanna, I wanna invite you into this message. I want you to raise your hand. I'm gonna show a couple of pictures. Raise your hand if in this visual representation, there's no audible sound. If you can identify rhythm in these pictures, would you participate with me and raise your hand for each picture? Put up the first one. It's a spider web. Can you identify rhythm in, as you look at this picture? You don't have to be a scientist. You can see oh, there's, there's something in it. There's a pattern in it. The next picture is of a raindrop. Lift your hand if you can see rhythm somewhere hidden in this, in this image. The next picture, it looks like a creature. Who knows what this is? Oh. I was like, whoa, what is that? Look like a caterpillar or something. But it's a fern. Do you see rhythm in it somewhere? Put up the next picture. These are three stages of the fern. Put up the next picture. Look at that. Look at that leaf unfolding. If you are ever discouraged at any moment in your life, go on National Geographic and just type in nature and just allow these pictures to wash over your heart and your brain to encourage you that God is over all that we see. When he made plants and creatures and birds and animals on during the day of creation. How much fun was he having? <laughs> Put the third picture of the fern. 
when it, full, it looks so simple and so elegant, so effortless. You see rhythm in, the, in, in this simple picture of a leaf. The next picture is not a living thing. I grew up in the Middle East and this sand dune is very familiar. We used to play in these sand dunes. Just look at that image. It's not a living thing. Put your hand up if you see rhythm in it somewhere. It's not a living thing, but it still displays because it was affected by winds that blew on it over time and it begins to move and respond to that rhythm of the redemptive plan of God displayed through all of nature. Put up the next picture of a sunflower. Rhythm, look at the butterfly on it. Rhythm, look at the spots on it. It's not, it's not happenstance. It's not ra random. Look at the lines of that butterfly. Look at, the, look at the little antenna things of the butterfly, whatever they're called. The next picture is the national bird of India. It's a peacock. When we were living in Cyprus, our neighbors had peacocks, and they would fly over to our house every morning. We lived a tough missionary life all those years. <laughs> Look at this image. Just feast your eyes on this image. This is enough to bring peace to my troubled soul in any circumstance. Look at the detail. Look at the intricate detail of this moment. Put up the next picture. This looks like a zoomed-in picture of the peacock feather, doesn't it? It's not. This is a detail of the citric acid crystal under the microscope. You see the signature of the handiwork of God. Heavens declare the handiwork of God. Come on. And if you zoom in to this image, put up the next slide. This is what you see. Perfect rhythmic detail in everything that is created around us. I don't have time to talk about when we begin to create like God inanimate things like monuments like the Eiffel Tower. You have to stand at the base of the Eiffel Tower. It's not a living thing, but when you, when you see it in person, it has life in it. It has movement in it because we were made like him. And the last picture from this microscopic image, put up the last picture. This is from NASA. It's color graded to give more definition. Do you see from the microscopic level to this gigantic, so this is our galaxy. Do you see the handiwork? Do you see the signature of the master creator? This is a setting into which God birthed us and created us. This is a setting in which we have life where there's redemptive rhythm all throughout nature so that we don't be discouraged and come out of that, that place, God, you are working in my life and I'm a part of it. And I want to highlight two things from the season that we're in right now, post-resurrection, before Pentecost, in the rhythm of the counting towards Pentecost, these are the days that Jesus walked with his disciples. These days, right now. And I began to think of the resurrection moment. God who was separated and man who was separated from God from the Garden of Eden now sent his son, bankrupt heaven, so he could die and, and, and redeem mankind and win over, be victorious over sin and death and hell and the grave. And he rose from the grave and then the conversation seemed like, what it, it can't be that casual. There's got to be something more that you're doing than just talking to, to people. The first, so I began to ponder more and think more about the first conversation. I'm going to highlight the first three encounters after resurrection. And you will begin to see the master redemptive plan of God revealed in them. So the first person... 
that Jesus speaks with when he comes out of the grave is Mary Magdalene. I'm like, wait, why wasn't it Peter? Why wasn't it one of the guys? Why wasn't it John? Why wasn't it one of them that saw? And he was like, oh, this is, they had more context for it. But why was it Mary Magdalene? You see, he is purposeful. He's not just, it was not just Sunday morning like any other Sunday morning. He has been waiting since the time of our fallen nature and separation from him. He has been waiting to be fully God representing the Godhead to come and be with us. Since that time that Eve and Adam separated themselves and us from God through sin and disobedience and deception, we, we haven't had this opportunity. And the very first thing that God does, this is not a casual moment, Mary Magdalene is an eternal moment of re- the redemptive rhythm of God revealed in that conversation. Because he comes out of the grave, she sees him and does not recognize him. And she thinks he's a gardener. I'm like, that is so, I can't even preach on that. What does that even mean? Why wouldn't you be, come on, the resurrection day. Not us celebrating resurrection, the resurrection day. He appeared as a gardener. He was redeeming. The very moment that Eve and Adam separated themselves from God in a garden. For 4,000 years, he has been waiting for this conversation with another woman that would bring full redemption to that moment that Eve disobeyed God. Come on. The redemptive rhythm of God is not misstep even after 4,000 years. He's very detailed, very purposeful. I'm thinking that when he, when he came to the garden to walk with them and he called them, Adam, Eve, where are you? And they, they had fig leaves on and they were doing their thing because they felt the separation. He called their names and they hid. But in this moment, As a gardener, one more time, to a woman, he calls her name Mary. And this time, she falls to her knees and says, Rabbi. That response was available for Adam and Eve in the garden. That's why he called them. But uh, sin separated and, and, and put guilt inside of them, and they began to hide from him. And he says, I'm waiting. but I'm gonna call your name one more time, and you're gonna respond. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. And it wasn't an ordinary woman. What we know about Mary of Magdala, Mary Magdalene, is this, that she was out of whom Jesus cast out seven demons. There's another passage with, about her. There's some conflict of people think it's not her. It's not, it doesn't matter. But this we know for sure. Jesus cast out seven demons out of her. From the time of Eve's sin and separation, Mary of Magdalene, Mary Magdalene represents some, the human condition separated from God. Seven represents completion. That we have been completely under the, the, the torment of, the, 
of the devil from day one. And in this moment, she is the one that comes under that redemptive power. We've gone through as, as mankind the full gamut of experience being separated until there's a full expression of demonic influence. But God is able to redeem us in a moment because his redemptive rhythms never fail. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And the second scene, after this redemption with her, with, with Mary Magdalene, the very next scene is Jesus again seems so casual. I'm like, what in the world? Who are these two dudes? I don't even know their names. It says this. We'll read it. Patty was sharing this in communion, Luke 24. Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and walked with them. And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. You see, this is not casual. This is not a casual encounter. The way that it's described, two guys were walking and then Jesus just shows up. Walking beside them. Because that was the very thing he was calling Adam and Eve to in order that he could walk with them in the cool of the day in the garden. 4,000 years he waited for this moment. One to redeem Eve and redeem the woman in that place uh, and to restore her to that place of devotion and worship. Woman meaning all of us. But it had to be Eve and Mary. And when he called to Adam and Eve and they hid and he wanted to walk with them because of their shame, they hid from him. But in this second scene after resurrection, he goes right back to that place where he left off and wanted to walk with us as God walking with man. All of a sudden, on the day of resurrection, here is God. Well, can you imagine angels in heaven saying, he is walking with man as God, like he was in the garden. Come on. He walked with us. What he wanted to do in the garden, he began to fulfill. This is the, redempt the power of the redemptive rhythm of God. Far be it from us to be discouraged because we don't see something happening. God has not forgotten a single thing about our lives. Every prayer, every mother's prayer, every grandparent's prayer, every dream, every desire, not just you, but generations before are working on our behalf. Sometimes we don't even know it until it comes all across and begins to walk with us. I didn't know this was happening. Well, I was confused. Hey, do you know what's going on in, in Jerusalem? Do you hear about, uh, is it a rumor? Is it a ghost? Do you, what's going on? Surely he can. He, I, don't, I don't think it's going to happen. And you're there looking, they're like, he's walking with them. He's redeeming moment after moment. This is still my God. This is still my God in my life. Thank you, Lord. He walked with them. And it says, he be, beginning at Moses all, and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures concerning himself. What if the day in the garden when he came calling for them, 
What if that day and that walk with him, this is what he wanted to do? What if the conversation he wanted to have with them in the garden was, guys, I gotta tell you what I have planned for all of mankind. What if he wanted to expound the things prophetically of what would happen. Oh, I'm gonna send prophets to the earth and they're gonna declare the glory. They're gonna prophesy of all these things. I'm gonna talk about all the stories. Oh, you won't believe it. They're amazing. What if that was the assignment that they missed out on? It's never lost. That call of God on our lives is never lost. There are moments, even if we walk away for 4,000 years, he is still faithful to come and grab a hold of us and all of a sudden walk with us and show us and tell us and preach to us and prophesy to us things that have been waiting for such a long time. This is my God. The redemptive rhythms of God are never lost. Woo! And their response as well, in that moment, they get caught up in the redemptive rhythm of God and their response to him is not casual. You know what their response was? Weren't our hearts burning within us? Wow. That was not like, oh man, it was like, oh, that was a really good message. Who is that guy? It was really amazing. They didn't know who he was. What they were reacting to and responding to was Jesus fulfilling the power of the new covenant. They were now the first two dudes to hear the voice, the audible voice of the power of the gospel and the redemptive plan of God out of the mouth of the resurrected Christ. Because this is what he says, and he prophesied in Jeremiah, but this is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my law in their minds and I will write it on their hearts. This was what was going on with those two guys. He was writing the first expression of the new covenant. He was burning it inside of them with his holy desire and love for us. This is why their hearts were burning because they were now under the unction and the power of the new covenant expression. I will write it on their heart. And they responded in the same way. Weren't our hearts burning within us? Come on. Thank you, Lord. Put your hand on your heart right now. And say, burn in me. Burn your redemptive master plan in me. Let me burn. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. There's one more scene. Do you see why I don't smile? It's so intense inside of me. Usually after this afternoon, I'll be laying in bed. I'm like, oh, I can finally smile. Thank you, Lord. The last, and we'll end with this. The last scene, the first scene was Mary Magdalene redeemed them. Second scene was walking with the two disciples and revealing and establishing a new covenant written on their hearts. How glorious. And the third scene, you can play a page, it sounds more exciting. The third scene is when he comes into, they're all scared. They don't know what's going on. Some rumors are about. They're all hiding in a room with fear. Closed doors, walls, 
quarantined from fear of the social pressure around them because they think they canceled their culture. Quarantined in their house for fear. But Jesus decided that morning, I'm done with quarantine. I believe, I don't know if you guys know this old show, The Jeffersons. I believe Jesus was walking like this. Quarantine, we're done. The power of the new covenant reality, the power of resurrected reality is this. What kept Adam and Eve, we're still in the redemption story. We're still in the redemptive rhythms. What kept Adam and Eve hidden from God because of their sin, with their leaves and whatever they hid behind, no longer could, can you hide from him because he walks right through those walls and doors and says, touch me and see if this is not real for you right now. He went back again to that moment that separated them, but kept them separated. This time he says, not anymore. I am in you and you are in me. Touch me right now. Put your fingers to my side. Believe in me. Come on, stand to your feet. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Every part of our life, we have a story that God is writing in each one of our lives. Each one. Each story is precious. Each person, your story is precious to the Lord, precious to Him. Josh Clark, there's an anointing and a call of God on your life and on your family. The redemptive plan of God, that many times you've asked the Lord and questioned Him in a good way, the Lord says His plans and His redemptive rhythm through generations will be fulfilled in and through you. You will hold together the, 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 the glory of your Father and you will experience, you will administrate many things, but you will also see and nurture and steward. I feel the call of God on Simeon, your son, and you, God has called you to be like Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to be that Isaac in the middle with the joy of God, seeing what was and seeing what is to come. You will hold both of those things together. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Woo! So we bless Simeon. We bless Josh. Your family, we bless the history. We bless the present. We bless what is to come. God, we thank you that your redemptive rhythms are as real as it ever was. And I just break off every weight off of your mind in Jesus' name. Every weight. He's been waiting to tell you, beginning from the beginning till the end. He's been waiting to answer all your questions. So let all those weights fall off of both of you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I'll end with this passage in Matthew 5, 14 to 16. You, and this is a commissioning for us as we end here and head back home. You are the light of the world, a city, life center, a city set on a hill cannot be hidden. 
nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. So let your light so shine before men. Can I just put your hands out to the Lord? We're going to open up the altar in just a minute for you to respond as you feel led. So let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. This word, neither do they light a lamp and don't hide it. This lighting of the lamp is the exact same word that the disciples said weren't our hearts burning within us. This light of God that is in us is the writing of this new covenant, is the writing of this redemptive plan of God in us so that we are not misstep with him, that we fulfill all of his plans. So let your light shine before all men, week after week after week. Step into the beautiful rhythm of God. We have a rhythm here as we come on Wednesdays, as we gather on Sundays, as we serve each other, as we serve our local community. It is our rhythm that we in step with what God is doing here among us. How glorious. How glorious. Charles said, he had, God spoke to him four words, and the second one, first one is awake, and the second one is arise, shine. I want to commission us. So shine your light before all men. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Get in sync with the rhythm of God. Get in sync with the movement of God for your life. Anything that is displaced in your own minds, in conversation between spouses, things that are undiscovered about your life. God, what is my future hold? I'm inviting you right now. I'm going to open the altar. Come and meet with him. Get in rhythm. This is our rhythm right here. This is a swell of God, this holy altar. Ministry team can come forward as well. There were some powerful encounters in the first service. This young girl who was dedicated, her name was Ava. I want to ask if there's anybody with heart arrhythmia. Heart arrhythmia is basically this. Your heart is not in sync, is not in rhythm as it should be. If there's anybody with heart arrhythmia, God is going to sovereignly heal you this morning. And I made this call in the first service. Come on, you can come up. I made this call in the first service and the couple who dedicated Ava, who was born in the 40 year anniversary of Roe v. Wade, who's called Ava, which means overturn. They said her heart is arrhythmic and they have an appointment with the doctor next week. And I began to pray for her. I said, Ava, you have a call for your generation. This heart arrhythmia, you will be healed of it, but this is an intercessory call that you will live your days of your life calling your generation from an arrhythmic life to a rhythm that is set, centered on the heart of God. Come on, give the Lord's praise. He's here among us. Luke Olweiler, he sees your life. He knows your life. He knows your story. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Sometimes you feel like you're floating. Sometimes you feel like you're lost. You're just, God, where are you? All he says is, let me walk with you. Luke, feel the rhythm and the rise and fall of my tide. Feel the rhythm and the rise and fall of my waves. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Luke, you're centered. 
in the plan of God. You're centered in the desire of God for you. He looks at you and says, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. I want to open the altar. If you want, like the waves of the ocean, the Lord to just wash over you and flow over you with his desire, with his master plan, just come on, come on. Let's, let's meet at the altar together. Come on, Brian. Come on, one of those rhythms I've just sensed so strongly is God wants to release miracles here all the time. So if you're in need of a miracle, come on, physical, want a financial breakthrough, come on, just come up. We want to pray for you. We want to lay hands on you. Believe, God, what you've been believing for miracles to happen because we've been given this word a few weeks ago that God released creative miracles, traumatic brain injuries. We're just calling them out, mental illness. Yes. We want to pray for the release of miracles. Thank God, you, so we Lord. thank you, God, that you're the God of miracles, God. Release miracles all throughout this house, God. We pray in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. I want to pray if there's stress or strife or tension in marriages between a husband and a wife, sometimes it feels, God, what are you doing? But I want to take that syncopated rhythm and put it in context with the rhythm and the plan of God. So there is strife in your marriage. God will do a supernatural work this morning. Come on. The Lord is doing some special things here. As I look around the altar, we're going to allow that to happen. We're not in a hurry. Thank you, Lord. But for those that need to go, we do want to dismiss you. Just put your hands out to the Lord. Go with the presence of God, the resurrected Christ walking and talking with you, writing his love upon your hearts, inscribing on you and on your heart a burning that is so real that it will transform your life this week your family. Lay hands on your children as you go home. Thank you, Lord. So be blessed as you go out. Go with the presence of God, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the presence, manifest presence of Jesus. Hallelujah. And as you go, don't forget to pick up your children. Thank you, Lord. God, we thank you what you're doing here on the altar. Holy fire, come. Holy fire, come and burn over every need, over every person, for over every couple. Do what only you can do, God, here among us. If you don't know the Lord, don't leave here without talking to somebody and receiving Jesus as your Savior.